Hey, welcome back to Atypical Talk. This is a podcast where we have conversations that illuminate the intersection of faith, culture, and the common spaces of our humanity. I'm Abby. I'm Allison. And I'm Batman. Just kidding. I'm Joel. I wanted to do that. I wanted to do that so long. And in the moment, I just said, Joel, go for it. I wish we had Batman in the studio. Sorry to disappoint. So our first question today is, what is your favorite vacation memory? We talk about vacations and trips a lot, but what is your favorite memory that you can think of? I love traveling, but um, some of my favorites are... Back when I was younger, maybe middle school, my mom and I used to vacation together quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And but we took two like super memorable trips: one to Alaska, and one to the Bahamas, where it was just the two of us. Yeah. And um, so I love that. It mm-hmm. was so memorable. They were incredible trips, and just the time together and the adventure was good. Um, but yeah, most recently, like my family, my immediate family, we travel to lots of different ballparks around mm-hmm. the United States. And MLB. So, MLB. ML, yeah, major yeah. league ballparks. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, so those are just, I love that too, because it's just time with our kids that as they're getting older, like that's not going to happen as much anymore. So just those trips have yeah, been super fun. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's funny you say that because I feel like right now with our boys being two years old and four years old, um, they're when we all go together, it's not a vacation. It's a yeah. trip. Yeah, yeah. there's a difference. And it's a trip because it's like, I mean, we have fun, but it's like you are not rejuvenated yeah. through those trips because uh, they're just so intense. It's like, oh, let's like take them out of their like perfect uh, environment where we have all these systems to keep them safe and they have rhythms and times yes. and schedules. Let's blow it all up yep. for a week and have <laughs> lots of fun. Yes. Uh, but I think growing up, two vacations that I still think about uh, one was in the Bahamas uh, that my my mom and dad took us to for a few days, and I remember that I got my hair, yeah, braided. braided. I, I did too, yeah. And I only this is the best part, though. <laughs> Not like you, I'm sure, but they they I was gonna do my whole head, and they did like two braids, and it hurt so bad that I'm like, call it. So I came back to like the United States with like two, two braids. little braids in my <laughs> hair. I need to find a picture. I looked so ridiculous. I love uh, that. No, we did my whole head. <laughs> yeah, it was like two two braids, and it hurt. Really, really yeah. Uh, and I was like, probably freshman high school. That's no excuse. Uh, but I remember also going to the Smoky Mountains, the Gatlinburg area, mm-hmm. being pretty young and uh, going to a place where my dad told me that, oh, if we get right here, if you can reach out and you can touch a cloud, we're up that high. Whoa. And I remember him like holding me yeah. out to where mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was fog? actually a yeah. cloud or more <laughs> likely it was fog. But I thought that I yes. literally touched a yeah. cloud and mm-hmm. that was such a special kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's there. cool. Uh, think about that. The other vacation that pops into my head is um, about um, a little over three years ago, Megan and I, uh, we went to Cancun, Mexico, just the two of us, February of 2020. And it was like the greatest like sigh of relief and just a breath because it was right in the season where we were starting the Mm -hmm. church and it was this whirlwind for like eight months of just working really, really hard to get everything together. And we went uh, and it was just like I had no responsibilities. We just had great conversation, connection, reading books. It was beautiful. The food was great. And uh, I remember when we were in the airport on the way home, everybody was like asking all these questions about, have you been to China and uh, have you been in touch with the coronavirus? Mm-hmm. And we're like, what is this all about? <laughs> yeah. This is February of 2020. Never even heard of that. Yeah. Not a big deal at all. <laughs> and came home and the world changed forever. Mm-hmm. But I just remember that like, that week was like the greatest, like, 
exhale with yeah. my mm-hmm. best friend. And um, so I think about that trip fondly and then coming back into the whirlwind of the next two years yeah. of a global pandemic yes. and starting a church and ah, yeah. I about too much. But that was the, the great sigh of relief and uh, exhale yeah. right before the big run. Mm-hmm. But I remember that too. What about you, Abby? Yeah. So growing up, we went camping a lot. And so anytime we went camping, it's just fond memories of, you know, sitting around the campfire, Mm -hmm. looking for wild animals. One time we had skunks come straight up to our (laughs) camper and my mom screamed so loud. (laughs) She opened the camper door and there were just skunks there at the steps. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm sure screaming really like was great for these skunks. I'm sure they didn't Uh, spell any smells at all. Please go. Yeah. But one of my favorite memories, I honestly don't even remember where we went, but, um, my younger siblings went down for a nap during the middle of the day and my mom came to me and my older brothers and was like do you guys want to go on a hike we went on an eight mile long hike it was a super long hike for us at that age but it was so much fun i felt like such a grown-up being able to do that hike with my mom and it was just a lot of great memories and i still love hiking to this day so that was awesome yeah, I and I just that. got back from a you trip did. with my family. I, I, yeah, camping again. Yeah, yeah. This time it was in a cabin. It wasn't <laughs> camping, Camper. Per se, yeah. but yeah, yeah. It was still lots of fun and yeah. getting to be with my whole family. I was think awesome. I think the only way you could get me on a camping trip would be more of the glamping. Yeah, lifestyle. yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Rolling never, up in an RV somewhere. An RV, yeah, that sounds so nice. <laughs> oh man, the glamping. Oh my God. Yeah, I've never done it, but if you were going to get me to do it, yeah, um, that would that would be it. Yeah, on the, on the way back from this trip we went on last week. Week, me and Lucas stopped at a camping world and just looked at the different campers. Some of these are insane. Oh, it's amazing. Like one of them yeah. had two bathrooms, two TVs. Yeah. Like, six this is nicer beds. than my house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's probably more expensive yeah. than my house too. Yeah. Like, they are so nice. But yeah. I know that to me that's not camping. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So our first topic today is a BBC article by Larry Bleiberg. It's titled, Is This the Summer of Bad Tourists? Stories are popping up all the time about tourists being disrespectful towards the landmarks they visit, as well as the people they come across on their travels. Last week, it was two drunk Americans sneaking into a closed section of the Eiffel Tower and sleeping off their bender high above Paris. The previous week, a French woman was arrested for carving a heart and her initials into Italy's iconic Leaning Tower of Pisa. A Canadian teen defaced a 1,200-year-old Japanese temple last month, just after a Bristol-based man etched two names into Rome's Colosseum and told authorities he was unaware of the arena's age. What's different about this summer is we're increasingly hearing about bad travelers, and ultimately this could be a good thing. With each new report of cringeworthy, tone-deaf, or just plain disrespectful behavior, our collective outrage seems to be rising, leading to what could just be a moment of reckoning for bad tourists. This summer's shameful headlines may offer an opportunity for change. With each new offense, we're reminded that international travel is a privilege. So do you guys think that negative attention towards this will make people stop? You know, there are some people out there who think, any attention yep. is good attention, whether it's negative or not. So what do you guys think? I mean, I hope it would deter people mm-hmm. because I love traveling and seeing the world and meeting new people and just experiencing different things. And uh, this world is so big and it's fascinating. And it would, you know, for me, it would just be such a shame if um, we weren't able to go certain places or see certain things because some people can't act right, you know? And um, I also just think like, 
these people who are doing it would be, I'm guessing, ticked if somebody else came into their country and messed something else up. So mm-hmm. it's like, why, why can't you just act right? Like, yeah. who goes to the Leaning Tower of Pisa and carves their initials in it? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. For me, just it blows my mind a little bit just at the kind of the audacity of it all, mm-hmm. honestly. But um, yeah, there seems to be like a loss of any kind of shame when it comes to this yeah. kind of stuff, too. Like there was another article I was reading about this summer and this live music and concerts where there's been this spell of people rushing onto the stage and like tackling their favorite artists or throwing things, oh my at, God. Yeah. throwing things at artists that they paid money to go see. Yeah. Like, And it's just like, what in the world are we doing to mm-hmm. where like, you know, it used to be there's this like common respect, respect for, yeah. for things. And um, it just seems to be um, lost, especially towards these things that um, people consider to be sacred, mm-hmm. right? I mean, all these these places that are um, famous landmarks, some of them, you know, like wonders of the world. Mm-hmm. There just seems to be this loss of this uh, understanding that these were sacred and they mean something mm-hmm. to a lot of people. So if they mean something to a lot of people, not even to me, I will honor and respect yeah. that because it means something to other people. Yes. It just, it comes back to a a loss of other-centric thinking, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I'm sure that the Leaning Tower of Pisa did not mean a ton to this person. Right. And there was probably some adult beverages um, involved <laughs> with the, you know, carving into it. Uh, but it's just, it's just this loss of thinking, okay, this is sacred. This means something to a group of people. So I'm not going to deface or uh, make this less than what it is mm-hmm. because it matters to them. Yeah. And... Uh, it, it's sad to me that there seems to be this just this loss of basic humaning, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. humaning. Yeah. Just like be a kind human being, like consider others and what it might mean mm-hmm. to them. And it just seems to be in this moment that we find ourselves in, just seems to be a common story over and over again of people just thinking about themselves mm-hmm. and not considering what this means to the other and yeah. whatever that could be. So. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to um, deter this at all. Mm-hmm. I would I would hope that it would. But yeah. uh, and again, a, a lot of articles aren't sharing these people's names. Mm-hmm. So hopefully if their names and pictures are yeah. this, is the person <laughs> this who, guy, this guy, yeah. and that guy's like, look at me, I'm mom, I'm in the paper. Yeah, for well, the wrong reason. and that's part of it, too, I think, is that a lot of this is happening on social media. And so, you know, they're doing it for the likes and the, yeah. to go viral and look at me, I'm famous. And I'm like, but also the, the, the police will find you. Yeah, <laughs> I hope. Yeah. 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 And so it's like, you know, there is some of that. It's just people will do anything for, for the attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't sad. even think about that angle so of sad. like that attention seeking. Yeah. You know, like there is something that is gra- grabbing of your attention of when you see somebody do something that's, Ooh, that's, you're not supposed to do that. Are they yeah. really going to do that? Yeah. Are they really going to carve their name? Are they really going to climb into the Eiffel tower and drink a six pack of beer and fall asleep? <laughs> like, are they really going to do that? And then there is something about us that we want to see that. And then the likes go through the roof and, uh, yeah. It's just sad, but that attention-seeking behavior is like, oh man, is yeah. this really how we have to do it to to harm somebody else yeah. mm-hmm. and what they or what they find to be sacred? Yeah. It's tragic to me. Yeah, the article also mentioned that some countries have started having tourists sign waivers or have been limiting the amount of tourists allowed uh, in their country because of these types of instances. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I'm just sad. Like, mm-hmm. like I mentioned, I love to travel. So I would hate to, you know, want to plan a trip someplace. And then they're like, sorry, like, mm-hmm. you can't come because yeah. you're from there or because we've already had these incidents or, um, 
you know, so I don't, uh, it's sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that, well, it's been this way with Hawaii for a while where some of the natives are, you know, kind of pushing up against uh, tourists coming mm-hmm. just because tourists tend to be very destructive mm-hmm. and are ruining some of their natural wildlife and things like mm-hmm. that. But I saw a clip the other day from this woman who she was very distraught because people were still coming to Hawaii Hawaii to swim in the ocean and stuff like that. I read that. And she was like, you know, we just had people die in this ocean and you're swimming and enjoying your time. And it just makes me so sad that, you know, that's how these people, the natives feel about Mm -hmm. things like this. And for good reason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Because we have no self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, the, 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 Ability to have empathy mm-hmm. is something that I, I don't want us to lose mm-hmm. as a culture, as a people. And I think it all starts with us and our individual families. But to literally consider this action, mm-hmm. how would this affect that other person? It sounds so like kindergarten theology, mm-hmm. but the idea of walking a mile in someone's shoes or mm-hmm. considering their heart and what this means to them, I mean, is just it seems yeah. to be lost so often and we just need to hear more stories, tell more stories of uh, that empathy so mm-hmm. that we don't get to a place where it's like, oh, this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. This is why we can't go there is because people were like mm-hmm. drawing things on Mona Lisa. Like, yeah. <laughs> we Honestly. can't do that anymore, right? So, yeah. Just mm-hmm. be just human yes. well. Can yeah. we human yes. together <laughs> yes. and realize we're all in the journey together? Come on now. Mm-hmm. Our next article today is a Relevant Magazine article by Joel Herbert titled, What We Get Wrong About Modest is Hottest. In this opinion article, Herbert talks about how modesty has been a topic of conversation for decades in Christian circles. He says, usually the idea of modesty was presented innocuously enough with largely good intentions. The idea, or so I gathered as a teenage male, was that young ladies ought to respect themselves enough that they don't have to wear scanty clothing to attract the lustful attention of men slash boys. While I agree wholeheartedly that we all have a responsibility to each other to love one another and not intentionally lead one another down destructive or unhealthy paths, there are at least three glaring problems with this line of teaching and thinking. His first point is that there's no set idea of what immodesty is. What might seem modest to one person, tradition, or culture might seem immodest to another. It also puts the responsibility for a man's lust and fantasies squarely on the shoulders of women. It grants men and boys amnesty from the responsibility of their own sexual choices. Not only is this insulting to men, but he argues that it conditions boys and young men to struggle. Lastly, he says that the Bible doesn't talk about modesty in the same way we understand it. In 1 Timothy 2.9, it talks about women dressing in the materialistic kind of modesty, not flashy or expensive clothing. So did you guys grow up around the modest is hottest culture? And what did you think about it then versus now? Oh, man, I have been so deeply entrenched in this <laughs> lovely reality of, you know, modesty and purity culture. So we could probably take this conversation for a few hours. Probably. <laughs> but yes, I was I was around it. But I think mm-hmm. it I mean, just from being the guy in the room, I, I would love to hear more about your guys's experience in this. Mm-hmm. You know, the modesty culture, the purity culture reality, like Mm -hmm. what it communicated to you and what sort of are the is the uh, the fallout from it. Mm -hmm. 
Well, yeah, it was always like a church camp, you know, rule kind of thing. Bring your one-piece swimsuit because bikinis are the devil (laughs) while these guys are all just running around in their shorts with no shirt on. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, "Uh, okay, bro. Um, But uh, cool, cool. But um, so, yeah, there's, I don't know. I just feel like there's always been just a double standard, obviously, of like it's a lot more of our responsibility for your reactions and your actions as a man than anything that I could Mm -hmm. possibly do or wear or you know um, I have two girls and I want them to feel comfortable wearing um, what they're comfortable in for Mm -hmm. whatever you know is appropriate for the situation that they're in you know they're not gonna show up to a job interview and you know halter tops and and short shorts kind of a thing (laughs) but like I just want them to be comfortable and Mm -hmm. um so I don't know it's hard to uh determine what's appropriate sometimes because like I'm gonna be comfortable in different things than you're gonna be comfortable Mm -hmm. in or whatever and so who determines what's appropriate you Mm -hmm. know kind of a thing so it's hard, but also, like, I am not responsible for, you know, anybody else's reactions or actions. Yeah. So, and I don't believe that my clothes are going to cause you uh, to behave one way or another. Like, that's a, for me, that's a you problem. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. What did you, because you grew up a little bit differently than I did, mm-hmm. too. So, yeah. I mean, I grew up. You know, homeschooled in a Christian home with uh, pastor parents. And yeah. yeah. So uh, it was a conversation a lot. And I think, you know, I didn't quite understand it as a kid because it was more, I don't think my parents really phrased it as, you know, you're going to make men or boys stumble and things like that. It was just, uh, this is what we wear because that's what we wear. Yeah. And so, I think it was frustrating, you know, going clothing shopping and stuff and not getting to wear what I wanted to, or I'd get hand hand me downs from my cousin and my mom would throw away half of it oh. and I couldn't wear the other half, you know. Um, but uh, I think it was just this like frustrating thing as a child because I didn't care what boys thought of me. Like yeah. Yeah. I, I was in my own little world, yeah. you know, I, I just wanted to wear what I liked yes. and, you know, be comfortable and stuff. So I think it just caused a lot of frustration. My parents have become more relaxed on stuff like that. I think, you know, growing up, they just followed what they saw other homeschool parents doing because yeah. they were still, you know, they were still learning. They yeah. didn't know how to approach stuff like that. And so they've gotten a lot better, but um, I think some of that is still there especially like seeing people i grew up with they still like are enforcing that on their own kids Mm -hmm. or you know still have that mindset i know this is a couple years ago i saw a tweet from someone that i used to be friends with and she this was i mean she was in high school at the time when she tweeted this but it was something about how she wore short shorts and her brother, her little brother, like six-year-old brother made a comment about it. And she said, I'm throwing away these shorts because he thinks they're attractive. I'm like, no, yeah. I, just because your little brother made a comment about it yeah. does not mean that he's <laughs> yeah. attracted to you. Yeah. Like, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. There, I, I think this whole conversation is like, let's say it's a situation of good intentions and terrible fallout mm-hmm. right like because even the author of the article who i thought was just so 
brilliant in how he said it, but he talked about like, yeah, we do have a responsibility to love one another and to never do something that would be destructive mm-hmm. to another person on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. But like the fallout of this has been, the scales have been so bent towards uh, the burden being on women mm-hmm. and with no burden on men mm-hmm. and the unintended consequences of over-sexualizing every decision mm-hmm. that a woman makes. Like, I mean, honestly, it was yeah. really helpful even in this conversation for you to even bring up, like, in the situation and just somebody wearing something that they're comfortable in. Mm-hmm. Like, that is something for my male brain. In this conversation, I had never even mm-hmm. thought about before that it's so mm-hmm. valid. But the weight of the responsibility of every boy's thoughts and mm-hmm. their problems with working out their own hormones mm-hmm. being on women and what they wear is just so unfair and honestly so not like jesus and how jesus dealt with this situation because jesus had harsh things to say about lust radical things to say about sexuality and never once did he ever throw the weight on women and leave men just to be like well it's it's the girl's fault he actually did the the opposite actually and spoke directly uh to men and in his teaching in uh the sermon on the mount this is maybe the toughest teaching that's still not culturally like understood or accepted today is a matthew chapter 5 verse 27 in the sermon on the mount he says but i tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one body body part than for you to lose your whole um, soul to hell. I mean, not once does he mention uh, anything about female culpability or blame in a man's fantasies. He goes directly at the man saying like, hey, if you've got this issue, you need to deal with the root of it mm-hmm. in your eye or with your body like you've got to deal with it and it's so interesting because he's he's always pointing back jesus is always pointing back to the human heart condition underneath of the reason why we do things and uh the whole purity culture conversation, the whole modesty conversation is really never going to the surgery level that Jesus mm-hmm. is dealing with. It's always like, well, yoga pants, they're out. That's how we <laughs> fix this whole yeah, thing, right? Yeah. And not getting to the thing underneath the thing. So mm-hmm. it, it's fascinating to me that um, so many of us that claim to follow Jesus, uh, we want to build scaffolding around Jesus's words and not really deal with Jesus' words mm-hmm. and not really deal with the method that Jesus um, dealt with lust, which was a topic he talked about that um, it's it's on the person who's got the issue. And and Jesus is saying it's an issue that's going to eat you up. So you need to cut it off at its source uh, so it doesn't destroy you and destroy someone else made in my image. So uh, I'm I'm just fascinated by the way that so often we don't just get things a little wrong. We actually harm the mm-hmm. group that we're intending at one point to protect. And it's just we get it so backwards yeah. so often. So I I long for another day. I think there are, I mean, there are, there are, there's messiness to this. There's, Mm -hmm. this is art, not science us figuring out how to do this because, uh, I mean, here, and here's the question I want to pose to you guys, Mm -hmm. because like, uh, I feel like often I feel like women towards other women are judgy towards how women Mm -hmm. dress Mm -hmm. when it comes to this conversation. So is it not just a, a man towards woman thing, but it also can be a very, Am I am I reading that wrong that women can judge no. other women for their yeah. Oh yeah, no, for sure. But I think it's differently. Like I think I don't know, and maybe it's just cultural too, but like for men 
you know, it's looked at for me more as like a responsibility of the things I'm wearing towards other women. I think sometimes it's more the jealousy or just the um, comparison, maybe not even jealousy, but just like coveting almost Mm -hmm. like the things that they have or you know so oh yeah women can one million percent be judging (laughs) of other women do not get that wrong at all but you know sometimes I think too even just like uh in the bible and different ways like I don't think it's necessarily always a male lust kind of thing but just like a equal parts everyone kind of thing like Mm -hmm. um Like, I want the church to be a place that is open to everyone, whether you're wearing, (laughs) you know, spaghetti strap top, you know, with the thin (laughs) straps, or you're wearing uh, your Sunday church best, whatever that is, you know, Mm -hmm. like, this should be a place where it's open to everyone, everyone's on equal footing, Um, it doesn't matter. And Mm -hmm. so that's where for me, like, clothes have never been anything that I have really cared about. Uh, Mm. If you know me in real life or on this podcast, I don't accessorize. I don't, you know, I buy clothes from Amazon. I don't care. So that for me has never been a big sticking point, but I also don't think it should be like anybody should look at me differently because I am wearing an Amazon basics versus uh, (laughs) whatever something fancy might be. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. I think there's just a lot of ways that we communicate what's important even with the you know what i mean even with things that aren't really that important like our clothes yeah mm-hmm. yeah and what what better picture of the type of faith community that i think jesus wanted to kick off and still have going today than a community that you didn't check at the door what you were wearing yeah. if it was it too little or too extravagant yeah. it didn't really matter yeah. I mean, it is an interesting point like as the article talks about like when the bible does talk about modesty it is not in the like a scandalized right kind of mm-hmm. thing it's it's more rags in the, to riches kind it's of more thing. in yeah. like the the materialistic like yeah. oh look yeah. at that rolex like mm-hmm. that is what modesty is talked at you know mm-hmm. about yeah. in the scriptures and we just uh demonize women and over sexualize mm-hmm. everything as we do and can we just have like one thing that we all agree with in this whole conversation Uh-oh. that nobody should ever say modest is hottest because that's the grossest <laughs> it really is, is gross. like, oh, yeah. like oh like parents saying that yeah. or pastors mm-hmm. like stop it yeah. it's gross yeah. Yeah. yeah or like matthew west song that no he- don't <laughs> even bring that up so bad oh no i don't Sing think i know this kids, one. Basically. Oh, gosh you know, yeah it's bad it, it was a dark really time in christian <gasps> history oh, that, no. that song yeah uh, he's I, probably a great guy, Matthew West, but you know. Oh, no. I stopped listening to his music after that song. <laughs> now I need to know. You're going to have to you drop really it don't. in here or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we're going to have to put the parental advisory sticker on this episode if we play the trash. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to go back and YouTube later. <laughs> so on the topic of clothes, what fashion trend did you get into that you look back on and regret? This is so easy for me. Oh, gosh, I'm here for this. <laughs> when I was in uh, sixth grade, and I started to care about the clothes that I was wearing to school. 
Um, there were these jeans that were popular for probably like a year. I don't even know. <laughs> called Jinkos. Oh, yeah. J-N-C-O. And you they were so the, much room in those pockets. Oh, dude, it went down to my, your knees. I could put my, all my school books. I, had like, I didn't have a water bottle in my back pocket. I yeah. had like a 12-pack of water bottles in my pocket. Yes. But like they're like the sure. whitest leg yep. pants. Like they look so ridiculous. <laughs> and I was like begging back to school shopping mm-hmm. for my parents mm-hmm. to let me get one yeah. pair of Jinkos from JCP. <laughs> and my dad was like, you're not buying those. They look so stupid. I'm like, no, dad, you don't know anything about fashion. And I thank my parents yeah. all the time. They're like, thanks for not letting me wear Jinkos. Yeah. It was so embarrassing. But uh, do a quick Google search if you haven't seen them, or maybe we'll drop a picture yeah. in the show notes. But mm-hmm. that's what Joel wanted to be rocking circa 1999, 2000. Let's go. Um, for me, I know, you know, the reigniting of skinny jeans uh, has been a thing that's, I think, come and maybe gone again. I don't still really here. know. Don't it's, tell me it's okay, not here I don't, well, that's, I've I been feel, told it's out, but all I my know, pants that's me, but I'm like, I'm still going to wear them because, you know, it's who I am. I don't care. Yep. But way back in the day when I was in middle school, we tight rolled our jeans. Okay, so this is before your the whole jean was actually tight. This is where, like, you had regular jeans, like straight leg jeans, and then you spent so much time, like, pulling them over as far as they'll go at the ankle and rolling them up. Mm-hmm. It was so much work, first of all. Second of all, it looked kind of ridiculous because the top part of your pant was still like normal pant and just the bottom was so tight. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I wish I had never. <laughs> and looking back, tire the old. stress of the tire old jeans, mm-hmm. maybe that's where all my anxiety stems from. I don't really know. <laughs> I have to work on that in counseling. <laughs> what about you, Abby? So I didn't really fall into fashion trends a whole lot. Oh, just come I was, on. <laughs> you were homeschooled. Yeah, I was homeschooled. You can't play that. <laughs> so, no, I, I still have an answer, Joel. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. <laughs> but like the, the thing when I was younger was gaucho pants, especially in homeschool oh, circles okay. because they were like, they were like more modest version of yeah. leggings. Yeah, because they were so <laughs> yeah, loose yeah, and loose. Yeah. yeah, and so oh. I wore those. I remember like anytime I'd go to homeschool co-op or be hanging out with friends and I wanted people to think I was cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, I was wearing my gaucho <laughs> pants. They look so stupid <laughs> looking back on them. Rocking the Listen. gaucho pants. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for it. Bring them mm-hmm. back. I don't even. Mind. I just, I just wanted to avoid the floor length skirts that uh, yes. everyone was wearing that was as homeschoolers. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, did, did they make men's gaucho pants? Was that a thing for guys too? I don't think so. Oh. They kind of look like Aladdin pants to me when I think about it. Like wearing those, I'm like, I could be like Aladdin. Street rat. Dun, 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 dun. I'm googling right now. Men's Men gaucho, gaucho pants. They are a thing. Let's go. They do look a little Aladdin-like. <laughs> You're right. Actually, now that you say that, that's funny. That's oh my amazing. gosh. Next Sunday on the stage, Joel and gaucho pants. <laughs> Be here or be square. Wow. (laughs) So our final topic today is a CNN article by Carrie Sheffield titled, Christian Conservatives Betray Their Values in Criticizing Ramaswamy's Faith. Sheffield starts the article by saying, It's discouraging to see some of my fellow conservatives attacking rising GOP presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy for his Hindu faith. It is wrong and un-American. It violates the spirit, if not the law, of the Constitution, and it could backfire on Christians as our share of the U.S. population dwindles. 
Many prominent Republicans are unsure of Ramaswamy solely for the fact that he's Hindu, claiming that it will cause Hinduism to rise in popularity in the U.S. if he's president. Sheffield goes on to say, America is currently a majority Christian nation at 63%. But as more and more people leave Christianity and secularism rises, Jesus' golden rule tells Christians they shouldn't discriminate against non-Christians if they don't want the same. As our numbers decrease, we need allies more than ever. She says, To my fellow Christians, is your faith in salvation so weak that you think it's diminished by supporting a non-Christian seeking secular office? Jesus' great commission, his final instructions before ascending into heaven, didn't include tearing down a Hindu political candidate. Instead, they offered a much higher calling, to spread the gospel to every nation. Rather than attacking a Hindu politician who will protect Judeo-Christian values, Christian conservatives would better spend their time helping the faith grow. Right now, they're only overseeing its continued decline among the American people. So what do you think about uh, her opinions of having someone who isn't Christian in the White House? Joel sent me this article, so I'll have I him have start. a lot of opinions. <laughs> I don't know where to even begin. Right? I, I, I'm just, I was so drawn to this. Um, you know, it's, I follow the American political cycle to the own demise of my mental health, probably. But I'm just fascinated by this um, because uh, it seems to me that like one of the the tenets of uh, the conservative movement in our country has been. Uh, religious freedom, you know, to be like, hey, we need to make sure that the government is not infringing mm-hmm. on our abilities to practice our religion. They take, we take that all the way back to, and I'm a huge fan of religious freedom. Mm. Big fan. <laughs> love it, love it. But I think we're I think redefining it, sadly, uh, honestly. Um, but I'm a big fan of it because you take it back to the very beginning of our country to where these were people that were fleeing Europe uh, to actually come to a new place where they could practice their religious um, beliefs freely without any um, government oversight, right? And that's something that we hold so dear and we have for so long. Um, and inside of the conservative political worldview, that's something that has been like um, something that there's, they've been bemoaning there's been a loss of in our country as our society is more secularized. Mm-hmm. There seems to be this this fear of, hey, they're going to start, they've already started telling you you can't do certain things. Mm-hmm. The government, they're already pushing against this. And so there's been this kind of like, fear mongering of, hey, we're losing this. We're being persecuted in our country and we need to stand up for religious freedom. And I'm kind of blown away uh, and disappointed by those same people fighting for religious freedom only to be fighting for it when it's their religion. Mm -hmm. And if you're only fighting for religious freedom for your religion, you're not fighting for religious freedom. You're fighting for your country to be exactly all you. you. And that's the only thing which I... I can't wrap my head around mm-hmm. being a follower of Jesus. Like, I mean, I think there's a lot of valid things when we talk about any political candidate running for office that we can disagree with. And Christians can have different understandings and different opinions on what this means and how it all plays out. But to just block somebody because of their claimed faith, mm-hmm. um, man, that that's not what we're doing here. And mm-hmm. it seems to be that that. Uh, redefinition of religious freedom only for my religion Mm -hmm. instead of religious freedom to this great big melting pot of you can come here and practice which is what we want (laughs) like that's why it all started and I'm kind of blown away by that the other reality that um, I'm I just felt like I had to speak to a little bit was uh, this this understanding that uh, politicians and what they say their religious beliefs are 
is a political statement. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and so like anytime that anybody is saying, well, uh, I'm a Christian, so mm-hmm. you should vote for me. Like that is a political system. And, I've, and for so long, people on the left and the right, in the middle, yeah. equal offending here, <laughs> people use religion to try to connect with voters. Yeah. And so anytime that you're like, well, I'm voting for this person because they're a Christian, I'm like, well, I'm not a Christian because I put Christian on my Facebook. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. on my religious beliefs. What am I actually doing? What, what, How, what's yeah. the fruit of my life? What yeah. trail do I leave behind me? Is it the trail that Jesus left behind him? Mm-hmm. That would make me a Christian, right? Um, but if it's just because I marked a certain box or I yeah. tell people and I hold a Bible up, that doesn't make somebody a Christian. So I'm thinking about this a lot because we're going to be doing a teaching series in uh, the beginning of 2024 at our church just about how Christians, how we can engage faithfully in, in politics and how do we do it responsibly. Because I'm a glutton for punishment. That's why we're doing <laughs> it. Uh, just, I love taking people off. Uh, but no, um, I'm thinking about it a lot because I think for too long we've just been duped by thinking that what a politician mm-hmm. says on a stage is the marker for us. Yeah. So uh, the reality is Vivek uh, Ramaswamy could be a practicing Hindu and he could, uh, in a way, because all truth is God's truth, uh, have some principles from his faith mm-hmm. that are going to leave more fruit that looks like Jesus than somebody who is a Christian yeah, and stands up yeah. and has nothing, no thought about yeah. the least, the last, the left behind, mm-hmm. uh, the underclass, and um, is pushing hate and fear. And that person can say they're a Christian. Mm-hmm. And... I don't want us to be people that just vote for people because of what they say. Say, What's the trail they've left behind them? What vision do they have for what kind of culture and society and what governance looks like? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's, to me, I just, I just uh, wish I would have written this article that uh, Carrie Sheffield wrote because I because she is uh, you know a follower of Jesus and she was just blown away by this like redefinition of what religious freedom is and this attack on this person because of what they claim and saying we're going to vote mm-hmm. for people we should only vote for Christians because they say they're Christians I'm yeah. like show me you're a Christian yeah. right mm-hmm. also we've all met people out in the world who you know not just politicians but <laughs> in our everyday life who claim to be Christians but also you look at their life and you're like but are you you yeah. know and so like I just think this is such a bigger thing but it's being brought to light a little differently because you know it's politics and it's the president and that's a you know huge Mm -hmm. office and what do you do if you know somebody who's not a practicing christian is in the office like the whole white house just explodes or something and i'm like (laughs) that's not how it works yeah you know and 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 we think that every person because we've only had we have only had professing christians in the office of the presidency of the united states professing Mm -hmm. christians we've never had anybody of any other faith not not anybody who's ever claimed to be an atheist or anything like that and do we truly believe that every one of those men yeah. thus far were people that were like every day waking up like I'm going to follow Jesus yes. and I want to like live <laughs> did my for five a.m. devotion yeah like and, yeah like yeah. No, no come on yeah. guys and I think so I just think religious people on the whole have been duped into this yeah and we think uh, that you know because they dog whistle and they might quote a Bible verse or they might say I'm going to stand for the Bible that's what's going to happen yeah. no I, I just I don't I don't fall for that and yeah. I think people on the left and right. Uh, alike we've we've been duped in a lot of ways so mm-hmm. i am for religious freedom and i yeah. don't care who knows it with my politician <laughs> thumb in yes. the air and that means that i i, I want to live in a pluralistic society yeah. where there are people are free to practice because i think that if if they're free to practice that means that i'm free to practice yeah. and that means i'm free to love and to serve and to have conversations with people that are different than me and it's not going to change anything and mm-hmm. so we need that yeah. and it's it's just uh, to me 
we can have conversations all day about Ramaswamy's policies. Mm-hmm. And the question that I think we should be wrestling with before we, in Indiana at least, circle in the little circles or poke <laughs> through the little circles on our ballots is not like what do they say their religious affiliation is, but what is their vision yeah. for the country and what is their vision of governance and what is their vision for what they think mm-hmm. they can lead us towards. Yeah. And if that looks more like the kingdom of God values, Sermon on the Mount values that I'm trying to live my life by, for me personally, I'm probably going to vote there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not going to be a one straight ticket reality because yeah. there's crookedness on both sides. There's people on both sides, that kind of a thing. Um, and I will also say, even if I vote for somebody because of my religious beliefs and values, it doesn't mean that you can't vote for somebody else because for of sure. your religious beliefs yeah. and values. We can disagree and there's gray in this mm-hmm. reality, um, but everybody should have a seat at the table, mm-hmm. even Vivek Ramaswamy, mm-hmm. um, and not taken away an offer- mm-hmm. opportunity from them because of their religious beliefs or unbeliefs or whatever it might be. I mean, we're crossing, yeah. we're right on that 50% line in the country today of people that are have no religious beliefs. Yeah. Are we thinking that we've never had an actual president right. <laughs> or we never will yeah. that doesn't that have doesn't that believe. reality? Yeah. So it's a messy topic mm-hmm. and it's going to be messier over these next, um, gosh, probably 12 months through this mm-hmm. political cycle. Uh, but I think the word that I want us to like keep in front of us uh, in this is, you know, we've, we can't have religious freedom if it's only for us. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. how, did, how did Jesus use his freedom? How did he use his privilege? How did he use his uh, voice and his power? He used it by giving it away, mm. by opening it up and serving. Mm. And that's what we should want uh, from our leaders and our government. And that's what we should want from the people that are even have the opportunity to mm. be voted for. Yep. Mm-hmm. And just do a lot of research. You mentioned you want to live in a country that is, uh, you know, for religious freedom, which I do as well. But I also want to live in a country where people don't just read the headlines. Like, mm-hmm. do your research. It's yeah. okay. Don't just go with whatever the TV's telling oh, you. Allison, you know? they're on TikTok. They don't need anything else. Have it, Listen, you guys, you guys have taught me so much. They I just know. need TikTok. Listen, you can That's get the best sound bites on TikTok. <laughs> yes, you can get a lot of news on TikTok, but you know, also <laughs> do your own research and. Yeah. That's where I think a lot of times because either, you know, we have a lot of excuses. We're busy. We don't understand. We're, you know, it's above our pay grade kind of a thing. But like you can figure it out if you spend enough time and you have enough mm-hmm. desire. And so I think that is also just my biggest hope for our country is just do some research, people. Mm-hmm. Do yeah, some research. It's not in 140 characters. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Sadly, that's me being cynical. <laughs> Well, that's it for this episode of Atypical Talk. If you have any questions, topics you'd like us to talk about, you can email those to atypicaltalkpod at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at atypicaltalkpod. And make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you can get updates when new episodes air. We are also on YouTube now as well. Make sure to go follow us on there at atypicaltalkpod. We hope that these conversations today have helped you think wider, love deeper, and partner with God to bring the up there, down here in your everyday life. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.